happy post-college football season out there, Draft Draft. I guess we can technically put one of the two to bed. It's Dan, it's JP. And, uh, you know, hey, we're venturing into somewhat unknown territory for ourselves, given that we've only been doing this show since right around the draft last year, which means we haven't gotten through a whole football season yet, dude. No, but speaking of being put to bed, TCU got put to Ooh. bed. They went night-night, man. And, uh, and for the people who have been dogging them, like all of the instant take reaction people on social media, look, this is not a bad team. This team deserved to be there. They won games. Now, mind you, they took advantage of a lot of things going their way in some of those games, which you need in every game you play. I mean, Georgia barely escaped Missouri at one point. Michigan barely escaped Illinois. TCU barely escaped a few teams. But at the same time, man, you want to talk about 180 degrees from last time they were out there against Michigan. Against Michigan, pretty much everything went right for them outside of a couple of picks. In this game, pretty much nothing went right from them, including a couple of picks. You said pretty much nothing. I can't think. I, well, you know what? Full disclosure, I'll get it out of the way early. I didn't watch the second half. <laughs> you know that feeling when you're watching something and you're embarrassed for someone else yeah. and you just like want to help them or hide or run yeah. away? I ran away. Fair. I couldn't get to I couldn't get to Louisiana in time <laughs> to help them out. It, like so, I had to change the channel. I sat there in solidarity with. Oh. With the the people on that field, I uh, I got to see Stetson Bennett have his little curtain call. Got to see uh, all like half the defense came off the field at one point. Yes, you know, so, I mean there was there was just um, there was not much that went right for TCU in this game. And I, I say not much. Any tr- you think there's any truth to the reports that ESPN phoned in and and halftime to Georgia and asked them kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit to be respect respectful to like TCU fans and the bands and the yeah. Senate who made the travel. No, if you're, if you're I heard all kinds of reports of that. And I was like, yeah. eh. no, they did not. There's no way they did that. I mean, as much as ESPN would like it to be a close game for their own ratings and et cetera. I mean, look, you say they were, they were, you know, took their foot off the gas. They scored 38 in the first half. They still still scored 27 in the second half. So I don't think that's much foot off the gas taking, if you will. But it was it was funny, though, that uh, Stetson Bennett, who got accused by some people of not having the numbers to be a Heisman finalist, and I, I did say that. I didn't think he should necessarily be there myself. But he play, didn't play the fourth quarter in half their games this season, and he didn't play the fourth quarter in this one either because he didn't have to. I mean, this dude got a curtain call like 13, 14 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. Why do I feel like, yeah, we kind of, we're basically just starting right out with TCU. We might as well just segue right into that game. Huh? Right. Yeah. I can tell you that Darius Davis, who is kind of the second wide receiver for TCU, did have 100 yards. So that kind of went all right. He had a few plays that went his way. I guess. That's all I got. <laughs> well, what I could say, man, yeah, because TCU is my team. I was hoping you're going to yeah. go. Hey, we may as, may as well try to get. First of all, TCO, man, what a shame. Kendra Miller, I didn't think he yep. was going to be able to play in this. Not that it would have made know. a difference. I bet you they would have got another touchdown. Yeah, they probably would have. It would have been 65 to 14, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would have changed the outcome mm-hmm. or even made it any easier to watch, if you will. But um, right. would have been a little better, but. Yeah, when you when you look at TCU and just try to find any type of bright spot whatsoever, it is nearly impossible, man. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what to say about them. I mean, right? Duggan just the whole team got rocked. Yeah. What do I say, Dan? You got me on the spot here. <laughs> I just don't even know. 
No, I, I mean, even my guy Q it. got shut down. But can you even say Q got shut down? The whole entire TCU team, mm-hmm. there isn't a single player right. that stood out to me having done anything right. Right. And I, I can tell you this much. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to see a ton of high grades from from too many people, though. I thought it was funny that PFF gave their two tackles an above average grade now above average being over 60. Right. Uh, like a 74 and a 64, because their offensive line looked lost the entire night. Like they could not cope with Georgia and what Georgia was throwing at them, which was annoying, given how they seemed to cope just fighting against Michigan. But uh, Q, I saw a few different plays where Q was open and. Duggan just couldn't give him the ball because he was running for his freaking life the whole night. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if I can even blame Q. No, I'm not going to blame Q. I mean, I I, like you said, I know that Darius Davis got five grabs for 101 yards, but he also put it on the ground and lost it too. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it, there's, no matter where you look, if you even try to find a glimmer of light, there's just a giant red flag there too. Yeah, you know, we talk about silver linings. Like, like there, there's always a silver lining. I, but not from a very large cloud in this case. I mean, Look, it's just oof. Max Duggan had a rushing touchdown, right? He also he had negative 38 yards on the ground. Yeah, because he was running for his life out there quite a bit. And, and that's he completed thing. 14 of 22 passes, which isn't an awful completion percentage. But he also right. only threw for 152 yards, zero touchdowns and two picks. Exactly. This and is rough. Thing. That was still a 49 QBR, though, which, again, leads me to wonder what the yeah. was certain uh, of those stats but yeah it's like overall it must be that one ground touchdown saving them a little bit yeah it's just oof there's yeah that's about all there's nothing no this game was 10 to 7 and then everything fell apart and again tcu the turnovers didn't help them three turnovers in the first half are going to lead to you you know being in rough shape they gave their defense some tough spots but even their defense seemed now again they gave a bunch of points to Kansas State in their la- in the title game they gave a bunch of points to Michigan so maybe we shouldn't be that surprised by the defense but also the offense wasn't helping them out and a lot of that was due to the fact that Georgia just Georgia played a great game I mean yeah they I, did dude I think Nolan Smith had a better game than anybody on TCU ooh, if that that's makes tough. any sense that's tough. Hey, sorry, Will Smith did saying. not play in this game. <laughs> My point's exactly. He didn't have the right. opportunity to make a mistake. Yeah. Like everybody in TCU messed something up. Well, and that was the thing. When you look at, at what we talk about, what we push for, obviously, is how guys are going to translate to the next level, what they're looking at for the NFL draft. There was a bunch of players in this game, which we were happy about that we got to see again because we didn't get to see most of the guys who were going to be draft eligible because they bailed on their bowl game, which, again, I'm not saying it's the wrong choice for them. There's a lot of money at stake. But at the same time, the guys we were hoping for TCU to be able to step up and show us what they could do didn't because no one did on that team. Georgia, on the other hand, some guys had some games. If you had to guess, especially a guy highest... that's going next year, right? But if you had to guess who had the highest pro football focus grade, who'd you say it was? Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers. Yep, had a ninety-four point one. Bowers was... and then probably Bennett. Yeah, Bennett was a ninety-four one as well. So they both basically tied for that, that score. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but again, Bowers, I can't argue with that though. Bowers, I'm yeah, telling you, I mean, he's not, he's not this draft, but I, we, the very first episode, I think we ever did to the show. I think I mentioned Brock Bowers. Yes. There's a reason for that. And that was two he years is, early. Right. He is that good. Now the, the only reason why uh, he might not be like a top five pick next year is he's technically only six foot four. And, you know, you see some of the guys that are six, six or whatever, but this dude is a matchup nightmare everywhere. And he will continue to be next year. And we will continue to say, yeah, and we will continue to debate, is he going to be the highest drafted tight end in the history of, of the, the NFL draft? There's a we'll decent save chance. that one. There's a decent chance. So we'll see mm-hmm. where that goes. But again, Stetson Bennett, once again, proved 
the doubters wrong. I mean, I love that the dude was wearing a championship belt and smoking a cigar after the game. Uh, three and four yards and four touchdowns for him and just pretty much did just about everything right. Few incompletions in there. That's about it. And again, he's a guy that some people are going to look at and say, oh, well, he's a system quarterback or always oh, to this or to that or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't have the strongest arm. There's a lot of NFL quarterbacks that have succeeded without the strongest arm if they got ahead a for the game. And it does seem like Stetson Bennett is one of those, you know, competitors. Now, again, he's not going to be a first round draft pick, but I, I do expect mm-hmm. him to get drafted somewhere. And then you got other guys like here's the here's the scary thing about a decent amount of the the Georgia offense and defense. A lot of these guys aren't seniors, dude. A lot of these guys are coming back. Now, Broderick Jones yep. is not. He had a solid game at tackle, and he will be a high draft pick. Darnell Washington, who, uh, bless his heart, has been a solid tight end. But, I mean, when you're playing next to Brock Bowers, the only thing he's got going for him is the size. He will still be drafted high. Some people are saying first round for him. I don't know that no. personally, but uh, he, he only takes one team to fall in love with a guy. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball for Georgia, uh, obviously Jalen Carter seemed like a four. There's a big three I wanted to watch, yeah. Right. Keely Ringo was a little up and mm-hmm. down for me. I think that he got beat a couple times as much as I we feel like about. his whole season's been a little up and down. That's why I still try right. to figure out how almost everybody has him as cornerback one when I think I got him around cornerback three. Well, and again, that's part of the fun trying to figure that kind of stuff out. I mean, the biggest thing for for Ringo for me was he he disappeared for stretches in this game. He technically didn't come up with a pass maybe because he could one tackle right yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying he's certainly not a bad player. Certainly very solid, but yeah, he was definitely somebody that I was expecting to have a solid game and kind of was there. Again, he didn't have to do a whole lot when you think about the count. No, he, he was he was in our most at least my most exciting thing to watch between right. the matchup with him and Q. It yeah. didn't even matter. And again, you can say this: Q didn't only caught one pass for three. Yeah, yards. it was. Maybe you can give it was an irrelevant you know, a matchup, credit, right? Uh, and again, part of it too is that TCU only ran like forty-five plays. Like Georgia just shut them down across the board. So the fact that Smell Monden was the highest tackler on the team with five, and this is from ESPN's tackling numbers, which you know I think are are pretty solid usually. So like, oh, all the way across the board, there was five sacks though on on uh, Max Dugan and a ton of pressure on him. I mean, the dude was just running for his life all night. So congratulations to Georgia. Anything else you want to say about this game, dude? No, I think the only player that we mentioned that I kind of wanted to watch from for me defensively, there was the big three. We already mentioned Carter. Right. We already mentioned Ringo. I did want to watch Chris Smith. Right. Um, but surprisingly, I, Chris Smith didn't give me – he didn't do anything in the game to wow me at all. Right. So I, I know he was a – Three tackles. He, yeah, he was, he was one of those guys that, you know, you see him – creeping his way into the first round i personally view him as a day two pick more so i mean Mm -hmm. i the only safety i see in the first round is a lock is brian branch and then outside of him maybe antonio johnson but i definitely don't see a third safety so this game kind of sealed it for me even though this was a tough game to really evaluate anybody because it was such a (laughs) oh yeah let's move on from that one well we got to move on to one last college football game because i'm not going to let you forget about the South Dakota State Jackrabbits and the North Dakota mm-hmm. State Bison. And How the could I forget? I won this bet. Oof. We didn't I bet. It. I told you we weren't going to bet because I didn't want to lose again. Everything's a bet. I won bragging rights. I won. Okay, you definitely won. You won FCS bragging rights till next year, man. And you know why I won? Because the Jackrabbits jumped all over them. Yeah, because my guy, Mark Gronowski, that I was mentioning, the reason why I picked the Jackrabbits, <laughs> crushed it. So look up his PFF while I'm covering his game. Yeah, go he ahead. only threw twenty. So get this: 
he had the exact same pretty much passing completions and attempts as Max Duggan. He was 14 for 21. You know what was different? Instead of 152 yards passing, he had 223. Not a lot more, mm-hmm. but three touchdowns, zero interceptions instead of zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Mm-hmm. And then on the ground, instead of having negative 38 yards rushing, Mark Gronowski had five carries for 57 yards rushing and matched that touchdown on the ground too. So four total TDs from him. And what's right. crazy – and one of those is a big the run. Jack, the Jackrabbits still have him next year, I'm thinking, because he's only actually – he looks like he's a true sophomore as hard yeah, as that his, stuff is. His draft-eligible year is 25, so he's got at least yeah. one more year. I could see him, because of where he's at, uh, I could see him either coming out after next year or transferring to a, an FBS school. I'm sure the schools would like to have him. And then, uh, you know, I always like to mention a, a player on the defense as well. I'll mm-hmm. slide over to – the defense and talk about Jason Freeman, a guy yep. who's also not draft eligible, a tiny, <laughs> tiny linebacker. Sure. I mean, he's like Barry Sanders playing linebacker. He's five nine, two hundred. Okay, that's a that's a solid boy. Oof. But he came out of this game with ten tackles, man. There you go. Ten total tackles, nine of which were solo. Um he was targeted a few times and you know, they, they completed two passes, but right. for a grand total of 12 yards. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he did what he was supposed to do, and he right. came out of the game with an interception too, Dan. There you go. Yeah, this game wasn't as lopsided. Gronowski had a 91.6. So, again, incredibly solid game from him. Yeah. Uh, but here's something, here's something I find interesting because, again, we're looking, at the, we're looking at this, obviously, congrats to the Jackrabbits, their first national championship at that level. Uh, we also look at it for guys who are going to play at the next level, and there's two players you didn't talk about that are wide receivers for the Jackrabbits and have the same yeah, last name and almost the same first name. So I'm going to guess we've got twins, Jaden and Jackson Janky, which is just yeah. alliteration gone nuts. But these two boys are both 6'3 and about 205, 210. You could see them getting drafted by somebody. Yeah, I just had to keep it to the two key players in the game. I was trying to keep it to two. Well, you know me, I cheat why, all the time. I didn't try to cheat this time. The reason why I'm doing me. that, yeah, I'm doing that because I don't have much to talk about with North Dakota State. They had a better no, game. Right. Zach Mathis had seven catches, 123 yards, and Cam Miller at quarterback, even though he threw the two picks, did have a pretty decent game otherwise with two touchdowns and then 64 on the ground. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, they were down, they were down 34 or 31 to 14 at halftime and just could not come back in the second half. And that's Obviously a big part of it. But the other guy that I wanted to talk about uh, on the North Dakota State defense, their uh, potential uh, pass rushing legend, Spencer, I'm guessing, Wage, 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 W-A-E-G-E. Not exactly sure how I pronounce his name, but this dude had a pretty solid season. Again, 6'5", 280. So he's a guy physically that can certainly play at the next level, but did not have a great game. Had three tackles. And that's nice. But yeah, just not the impact that I think they needed for him to have, obviously, to, to compete in this game. So congrats to the Jackrabbits. Didn't want to leave that game and later. Me. And me. And you. And you for it, it, the, it. the right mascot. Even though you're more of a bison and I'm more of a Jackrabbit. Yeah, but Gronowski, dude. Gronowski. It's too close to the name, reason. Boy. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? We had to clarify that that wasn't quite a Gronkowski. It's a Gronowski. If you read it real quick, it looks like it. Right, yeah. And hey, this is not this is the end of college football games, but this is not the end of us talking about college football players because holy wow, we're breaking it down. Over the course of the next, what, we figure five, six, seven, pretty much until free agency starts, until the combine gets rolling, 
uh, we are going to be talking about college guys and how we're ranking them, how we're slotting them in from different conferences, and then how they they matter into the the big picture. So that's all coming up as we go forward. But a little early beer break, I guess, doesn't really have to be halftime. It just needs to be the split. Yeah. Let's talk about some beer. And we were going through again. We've been doing different games, and we'll come back to that again maybe in the playoffs or at least certainly next season. But uh, one of the things we were kind of toying around in our heads after looking at the way the NFL schedule broke down and the games that mattered and the fact that the Detroit Lions were given a primetime game finally for the course of this season is... You know that was the highest rated sun or most viewed Sunday night football game in the past six years. I believe that. Yeah. Because again, Packer fans hang around. I think it said like 23 around, point but... some million people viewers tuned in, sure. man. Yeah. I mean, and NBC was obviously ecstatic to have a game that was with playoff implications at the end of it. And a team in Detroit that's just stubborn enough to not give a crap that they weren't going to be able to make it into the playoffs. They no, no, they wanted to send Aaron Rodgers into retirement. Exactly. I was really, really happy to hear Dan Campbell in like the first quarter interview they did talk about, oh, yeah, we want to keep him out with this big bit of dip in his mouth, as you mentioned to me. Uh, the fact that that's the mentality the of the coach, love it. Yeah. But so we got talking about what we would be talking about from a beer topic. And while we could have done a Detroit, you know, Wisconsin thing, we've done both of those states already we, we decided to talk about what beer would you be drinking in a game like that so it's a rivalry your game. rivalry game exactly yeah. your rivalry game beer where you're really invested in the game because one of the teams matters to you and usually it's a game like this where you and we talk about this in a lot of people a lot of different circles would you rather have your favorite team win or your least favorite team lose and it's it's obviously most favorite team win still for me. Like if I had a choice between the Lions winning all of the games and that means the Packers win almost all of their games, you're going to take the Lions. But it's something really sweet about when your team wins and you screw up a season for a, another team that just seems like an entitled bunch of punks. Especially when it's your rival. And especially when it's Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, could yes. happen to a more annoying guy. And again, hey, look, we get it. Green Bay fans, you love the guy. Other people probably love him for his commercials. He annoys the crap out of me as a football player and as a human from the things that I've read. He might be an awesome dude to hang out with, but I have no desire to find that out. No, I'm good. With that being said, though, let's talk about beer. beer. You and I did not talk about this beforehand, so I came up with my own weird little criteria, okay? Okay. I had two things that I was going to base this on. Uh Uh-huh. One, it's a rivalry beer, so I'm probably going to be sticking to my side of the rivalry. So I'm probably drinking local to my alliance. So that's going to happen. And then also because it's a rivalry beer, um, I'm probably going to be having several of them. So I got to keep it on the the calmer end, if you know what I mean. I can't go in and get some of the big fellas in this one. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to throw a few at you. You're really going to cheat. And again, hey, uh, I figured we'd have at least two or three each. So don't worry. Yeah. So like, and I apologize because these are beers that we probably have mentioned a few times, but the first thing that popped into my mind was the Founders All Day IPA because it's local and it's a session IPA and you can crush them and you'll be be okay. (laughs) Right. But then I was like, I couldn't do that all the time because I was like, then, you know, I started to get, you know, geeked up, if you will, like I'd have to step it up a little bit and I thought maybe I could bridge into my. You know, my Huma land once in a while, just at a, a 7% or so, and get right. in there. But then I started thinking about this, and this is the last thing I'll say. <laughs> if it's a beer rivalry game, at the the odds are this is going to be closer to fall or winter. And also I'm not true. really going to want to have 
a session IPA or any type of IPA or even a hazy IPA, if you will. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I th- what I narrowed it down, what I really wanted was the Founders Porter. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it's light enough in alcohol where you're not going to just, you know, tune out halfway through the game. <laughs> it's it's also dark enough to where you're just not going to absolutely crush these things throughout right. the entirety of the game. And it tastes phenomenal. It's one of my yeah. all-time favorite porters. So I think that's what I settled in on. Right. And Founders Porter. And again, this is the thing. Like we drink all kinds of beer and I'm sure you guys have all seen the different kinds of beers that have 18 different flavors of whatever, et cetera, you know, groups in there. This is just this is a porter. This is a porter that's done really well. And so I'm not going to argue with that at all. I was going to go a different route than you, partially because I don't tend to crush beers at the rate that you do. And I've learned that my lesson uh, trying to keep up with you in the past. Uh, I'm not a large individual, nor do I have uh, the same, you know, training, if you will. (laughs) But I'm actually going to go a little higher alcohol than you and go with the KBS. And this is a founder's the Kentucky Ooh. breakfast stout, or barrel stout rather. And so you're going to be asleep by the halftime. And I'm just not drinking you're, five of them. You're going <laughs> to miss like, the halftime show. I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not doing your, uh, your. Is set, that because uh, they come in a four pack? Yeah, it's not not a four pack, right. It's a, I'm not having a four pack of them like you did in the snow, you know, with your, uh, your New Holland stuff or whatever that had you wondering how to stand up afterwards. That was even worse. That was the Dragon's yeah. Milk triple mash that was 17%. Right. Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong, Dragon's Milk is up there too uh, from New Holland because, again, I'm from Holland. Uh, but KBS just always has, is, is a beer that you, you associate with as the OG from Michigan and obviously from Founders. And so that's definitely one that's on. It's like a perfect hundred rating. That's like a top twenty beer worldwide rating. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's a maybe that's a good logic. If you're going to go rivalry beer, throw aside the style, throw aside the alcohol content. You got to go with the the big dog. Just whatever the best rating is. That way, it can take out the rival. Right. And if I'm going for one as well, and again, another founders beer that that's up there for me too is the breakfast stout. And I know you like that one too. If you want a more generic beer that that fits that bill, but yeah, it's just the non bourbon barrel age right but i do agree with you as well and i don't know why i'm you know, running all founders beers right now but uh obviously there's plenty of them from shorts that i don't mind but again i agree with you on the same mentality of if i'm doing a rivalry beer it's going to be a michigan beer because that's where i'm from which is why this is a fun topic i think to for other people around the country to debate because everybody's going to have beer that is synonymous with with them with their state with their city with their you know culture if you will and uh, and obviously you can feel free to throw a Michigan beer in there as well if you want to. Even if you're you, not from Michigan, we'll allow it. You know what? I almost picked for this, Dan. Who was that? I nearly picked, and it was another Michigan beer. But I almost took one from New Holland. Okay. I almost took the Dragon's Milk, the White Stout, because I right. figured it tastes like a stout. It's lighter, so you could have several of them. It's lighter mm-hmm. on the alcohol content. It comes in cans, so you, it's not True. you don't have to lug around the glass because that was my thing. With mm-hmm. the founder's mm-hmm. porter, there it's only glass. You don't really want that tailgating and this and that. Right, right. So, I don't know. I was this close. I almost sure. took the Dragon's Milk White Stout because, like, it, there was a lot of reasons it made st- sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those of you that haven't gotten a chance to try Dragon's Milk, if you can find it, try it. Even if it's one of the flavored ones, they usually do a pretty good job on it. We got no complaints. I think the the big thing to take away from here, though, I agree with you, is it's got to be something that means something to you. Uh, but then also, that's a very wise point. If you're, I was thinking about it more from just watching a game from home. Obviously, it doesn't matter if it's uh, bottles or cans. There, most of the time, we pour them into a glass. But having cans makes a huge difference. And there are a lot of beers that don't get canned because either you know preference, or it's better in the bottle, or it's a specialty, or whatever. So yeah, having a cans of beer gives you a whole lot more leeway when you're walking around a parking lot. Agreed. 
hundred percent. That's take our, us into the NFL now. That does take us into the NFL now. That's our beer topic, and that's again. Feel free to let us know what you think about rivalry beers and what you would be drinking if you had a matchup that was important to you, like we got to have. And again, shout out now that we're into the NFL to the Detroit Lions for finishing over five hundred and ending potentially the career, certainly at least the season, of Aaron Rodgers. And as much as Rodgers likes to talk about owning Chicago, Detroit owned him this year. It sounds like he's done. Are we going to go right into that game? So We might as well. So, so, again, throughout the course of the season, we've talked about, okay, we're going to rip right through all of the games and all of the teams. But we got to this weekend, and it was like there's most of the games don't matter outside of a little bit of draft positioning. A lot of the guys we'd normally be talking about, uh, some of the younger guys that are really talented, whatever, a bunch of guys didn't play this week because either their team didn't need them to play or their season's over, and so they got a chance to rest, whatever. Players are, this is where teams are trying to evaluate some of their young talent that didn't play much. So we're going to kind of go instead of game by game, although we are going to talk a little bit here and there, uh, we're going to talk about some like, six pack of topics because you had a bunch last week we didn't get to mm-hmm. and i managed to come up with some as well and, and we haven't talked about these so we may overlap a bit on these as well but first things first i just got to give out give a shout out to our team and again detroit played a great game uh, and really has changed the culture and the the losing mentality that seems to have been instilled in detroit in big games they went into green bay a notoriously difficult place to play especially when it's that cold out and made plays and got the job done you know, and instead of really like covering this game and going through it, like everybody, it was the most watched Sunday night football game in six years. So there you go. everybody already watched it. Mm-hmm. I just want to make a couple points that, man, A, Jamal Williams is ridiculously fast. B, yep. if DeAndre Swift could stay healthy, he's one of the most electric players out of the backfield in this league. Yeah. Um, like, and if, if Hutchinson doesn't get rookie of the year, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, Hutchinson and Saucer, it's going to be a one-two thing between the two of them, definitely. And that's, I'm not. I think Hutch has got it now. I mean, Hutchinson mm-hmm. has more mm-hmm. sacks in his rookie year. Granted, there's an additional game than I think, like even Nick Bosa. Sure. Yeah. Did. Like, he, he's certainly got more picks than like any of those guys. But I know yeah. that coming out of the draft, people were questioning, hey, is he in the same tier as the Bosa's right. or the Garrett's or this or that? And mm-hmm. Yeah, he's up there in it. I don't think anybody's in the Miles Garrett tier. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. But again, when you look at you know, team, and so I, I had some fun with this and went through, and this is one of the topics we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, you look at where guys graded out on the on the rookie side of things. Hutchinson had the highest graded defensive score of any edge rusher and almost of any player, and that's the thing. Sauce Gardner is the only other one that's up there with him, and Kyle Hamilton, although Hamilton only played about half the year roughly. Man, Hamilton could have been a lion. Yeah, yeah, but we got fast JMO, so, you know, we hey. We do have fast JMO. And, again, he played, what, a fifth of the season, maybe-ish? Something like that, when you look at number of plays. Ooh, probably yeah, but if you're talking about, he only played, like, 20 snaps. Totally. Right, exactly. Maybe a fifth, he, he, he appeared in maybe the fifth of the game. Right, yeah, and so it'll be fun but, to see him next yeah. year, definitely. But, all right, let's start with your first topic in your list of things we haven't talked about. I'm just going to go right down the order in the way that I asked them, so there's no rhyme Let's or reason go. to this. Number one was more of just help for me. Okay. Tennessee Titans, what is the biggest draft need? Um, a GM? Of course. In the draft, draft a GM? No. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question because Tennessee is a team that doesn't seem to know what they want to do, or if they do know what they want to do, they're they're not letting us in on any of it. 
And that's that's a challenge when you're trying to build a team because Tennessee, I mean, you can say wide receiver, but you can also say everybody says wide receiver. I mean, you can say, do they need a quarterback? Because the quarterback's interesting because a lot of people say quarterback, but you still have Tannehill. You drafted Malik Willis. You really don't know if he's a guy or not. And then you hear all the rumors that that could be one of the spots where Tom Brady ends up. So it's like, well, Tom Brady's going to be in every rumor ever. So, yeah, Um, but at least there's with this, you've got an ex teammate slash ex coach. Right. Coaching the team. I mean, Tom Brady, like, that's why I say Tennessee right. is probably the second most favorite team to get him outside mm-hmm. of the, the Raiders. Yeah, I would yeah. say that uh, when you when you look at that, though, I don't think he likes what the skill position group is looking like in Tennessee. Because No, I don't think he does either. But I think mainly what Tommy's looking at in Tennessee, and this is where I was going to take this, is mm-hmm. I think their old line needs help anyways. They have yeah. some good players. They always seem to get hurt. But if let's say let's say Tennessee wanted to go get Tom and move on from Tannehill and let Malik sit another year or so, mm-hmm. they got to fix that old line. Tommy needs oh, yeah. a good interior line. They got to fix it. So yeah, Tommy don't go over line. If that's the direction they want to go, then old line absolutely moves to the top of the list. Right, and I think old line to be up there anyways because I agree. Again, and we talk about this like shoot, every team could easily draft a O-line and be in better shape when it comes to how their season is going to play out. Uh, the thing is Tannehill doesn't move the needle for them. I don't know that Dobbs or, uh, or Malik Willis does either just yet. We knew Willis was a bit of a project, uh, which is why I'm glad he was, he was taken in the third round uh, at least because he's going to get a little more, you know, leeway when it comes to development and obviously a full off season, et cetera, all those kinds of things. But they, they do need offensive line help. Again, some of its injuries, some of it's just, needing more talent their interior o-line isn't terrible uh but they could definitely still use, not good exactly they could definitely use another tackle i mean they're the ben jones has played played a pretty good year when he was healthy but again this is a team that had one player get like a full season's worth of snaps on the offensive line that was aaron brewer and he was basically average and so yeah i would i would agree with you that that while there's flashy positions, they certainly need help in. Again, uh, as much as we ripped them for the AJ trade, uh, Burks wasn't bad when he was healthy. He was certainly no. I, he came along at the end of the year, so I mean that's why I move away from wide receiver. I think it's anywhere along the O line and then edge rusher. It's kind of what right. I'm thinking. That makes sense. What's your next topic? No, we're gonna rip through all mine and then rip through all yours. Oh, what like do you want to do? You want to go back and forth? No, I. It doesn't matter. Uh, this one's just like it's an embarrassing. It's an embarrassing question, but (laughs) seriously, it is embarrassing. And there were a lot of analysts and TV personalities that picked the Denver Broncos to win the flipping Super Bowl. Yep. To win the Super Bowl. And I say that like, whoops, Herm, you probably need to win the game. (laughs) But they didn't win any games, Dan. They won a couple. Okay, whatever. Uh, What went wrong is my question. I mean, what in the world? What? I mean, Javante Williams got hurt. Okay. They lost the the, the (laughs) young, flashy running back. What went right? But I mean, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. You can start there. Maybe that's easier. Yeah. I mean, hey, when you look at that team, um, they have. Does Russ Russ not know the offense? That's kind of what I was leaning towards answering because he looks lost. Russell Wilson's had his ups and downs like throughout Mm -hmm. his career. It always seems like he starts slow, finishes strong. Right. But this whole year, it looked like he just didn't know what in the world was going on. Right. Uh, and, and I agree with that. I mean, I will say this when we talk about good things. They do have two linebackers that you love. 
And and Jerry Judy seems to be doing pretty good. <laughs> they are good. They are good. And Cortland Sutton actually stayed healthy a little bit too. Right. And they got they got a stud corner and Sertain. They got a good edge rusher and and Chubb. I mean, there's some that's the thing pieces they have, on this team. They've right. got a decent old line too. I love the Quinn yes. Miners pick they just yep. had. Miners Miners uh, had a, a very good season, and that's the thing. So the pieces hypothetically it? are there. And that's and that's what it is. I mean, you're you're always going to get the benefit of the doubt when you've had some good years. And in Russell Wilson's case, obviously, a lot of people were, were wondering what's wrong with him. And the coaching staff is what ended up taking the fall. And that could be part of it. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett might be a great offensive coordinator who just wasn't ready to be a head coach. I am concerned when you look at the NFL right now with how quickly teams are firing coaches. Like you used to get three seasons or something like that to turn a program around. Now it's if you lose enough games your first year, you're out. We saw that with a couple of different coaches this year. And that's just the short leash that coaches are having is, in my opinion, a very bad thing because it's it's going to hurt player development. It's going to hurt all kinds of things over the course of your organization. But in this case, I understand a little bit of why they did it, given the expectations that were placed in this team. But when you ask what went right, pretty much nothing. The only thing that uh, that you can point to uh, as a positive is they can move past this season and go from there. But again, we talked about this last week. You can't move on from Russell Wilson because he costs way too much money. So you've got to hope that the next coaching staff that comes in can figure things out. They're obviously in Denver. They're hoping for Sean Payton. The question is, what can they offer the Saints that's going to be equitable because they don't have you know any first-round draft picks, it seems like. They, they have one. They have the one from the Niners, and that might be All enough right. to, to move on. They need somebody to come in and fix him, and Payton's probably the best answer to do that. But again, Sean Payton annoys me a little bit because he left the Saints in the shambles and then decided to walk off to have a better situation. Well, I make Vase doing the same thing, too. I know. But l- let me rip through these next few topics because I know we're short on time and you got to get through yours You're always well. short on time. Yeah, a little bit. You talk uh, too much. I know. So may- maybe I can cut some of this. I'll do the You're next good. Two. No, we're ripping through them. Let's go. All right. We're finishing uh, the Lions, I just put rookie class. Like, oh, yeah. How how good? And, and I did, I, I'll be honest, I forgot to go back and compare it to like some of the best rookie classes or try to research it. So, and I, that's I something we'll, it. we'll do over We the can do season. that later. But my goodness, when you look at this rookie class top to bottom, I mean, Hutchinson was talked out. about men, he might win defensive rookie of the year, right? Right. Yeah. Kirby Joseph, a bit inconsistent, but finished strong. Yeah, he like as far as a, a, a where he was drafted and right. you know not even starting as a starter and being thrown in there. Like I think he really impressed the hell out of me. And again, maybe I maybe I'm biased because they, those were my two favorite picks. Right, I got to give him a shout out because he is the first player in Aaron Rodgers' career to intercept him three, yeah, three times in the regular season, and that's, that's just on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. That makes me happy. It, I was just trying to rip through it. You go to James Houston. He had more sacks than what Hutchinson did. They're the first duo to have 20-plus sacks as rookies ever. Uh, Jamo Williams, we talked about how Jamo's flashed. Right. Jamo's flashed like crazy. Malcolm Rodriguez, he's like the hard knocks like everybody loves. Rod Rodrigo. Right. And again, yeah, you know they, I mean? they had, and 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 that's the thing is like in a draft class, you can't just hit on your first and second round. Or you obviously don't want those to be busts. But the fact that they Zilstra? found – yeah, Zilstra, he, as much as Z-Man's a, a more of a red zone threat than a possession guy, than a, a tight end is going to blow the doors off you. A lot of guys contributed at a very solid level for this team. And 
really shored up some spots that were question marks when coming into the season. Again, Rodrigo playing linebackers, well as he did from a sixth round spot. You've got to be ecstatic about that kind of stuff. And again, this is a team that needed players to step up and, and guys did. Guys jumped into those roles. And again, Aiden Hutchinson, exactly what they expect him to be. And Houston was a guy that we both liked coming out of training camp, understood why maybe he was getting the uh, practice squad spot because he probably didn't show anything other than the ability to rush the passer. But boy, that boy rushed the passer well. He had one note and he played it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that going forward. Um, yeah. Well, what would you, you give this class? I mean, because Pascal even got in there and had a little bit. He was, he was probably the least impressive from some of the early picks to me. But, I mean, what what do you give this this class as a whole? Yeah, you know, James Mitchell kind of didn't. Right. Be, um, it seemed like Zilstra did a little more than Mitchell. Right. Well, Mitchell's still coming off the ACL. So, again, I, yeah. I got to go with an A- minus as opposed to an A just because there was a couple guys that we didn't get to see a ton of, and I'm, I'm not saying right, wrong, or Chase otherwise. Lucas, I didn't see meaning, him Meaning give the minus on there just because I think there's there's it's really hard for me to give an A to somebody when there's even anything that's got a little bit of a, of a you know, an oops out there. But, yeah, this is – You ready exciting. You ready for this, though, Dan? Go ahead. You know what I've heard my entire life from all kinds of GMs and retired GMs and scouts, not personally, yeah, just, you know, just reading it or on TV. Like if you find three starters out of a draft class, you, you aced it. Sure. So I don't know how you don't give them straight A. Ah, well, it's they got more than three starters. But yeah, they, they got did. more than three starters. Yeah. Like if you find, if you get someone who starts or contributes with every single pick of a draft class, you just broke it. It's like grandma's <laughs> boy. When he's dancing, did I break it? What's high score mean? Is it right. broke? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the so thing. It's, it's an it's a hundred percent an A. Yeah, these are the kind of drafts that set the foundation for your team going forward. And if they can have another I, I, draft even somewhat close to this next year, this is a team that's going to be a force for a while. Oh yeah, and their last class was good too. But what here's what I'll say though: to be fair though, I give it an A right now, but I also do believe with the logic, you can't really grade it till it's a few years out. Right. Oh yeah. So 100%. I give it an A now. That doesn't mean it's always going to be an A. Right. But I'll knows. segue into the next next topic because it's kind of tied to. All drafting right. and the Lions a bit. Mm-hmm. Who won the Hawkinson trade? See, now that's obviously fun. we can't answer that. We can't right. answer that yet because we don't know what's going to happen with that second round pick. Right. Well, and again, but, it looks like this is one of those those fun trades where both sides are going to be you know somewhat happy with how things turned out because on the Detroit side of things, they've got a couple picks for a player that they weren't utilizing the way he should have been utilized. I've said that all season long. And Minnesota got a great player for the two picks that they gave up because they actually used him the way he could be used. Now, for whatever reason, Detroit wasn't incorporating him in the offense the way they should have been, much to my chagrin as someone who owned him in fantasy, uh, but Minnesota was. And again, both teams managed to to profit from this trade, as long as Detroit does something with the picks. But when you have extra picks, you have extra chances, and we've seen some pretty good stuff from Brad Holmes. So, so far, the, the faith is there that uh, they're going to make the right choices. Yeah, right now I lean towards calling it even because mostly because it's to be determined because we right. don't know what the Lions are going to do on their end. But the reason I wanted to ask the questions because Hawkinson has been playing very good for the Vikings. Right. And then also the Lions just started destroying teams. I don't know about destroying teams, but they looked <laughs> a hell of a lot better once they, they got rid of him and ran a different type offense. So uh, I don't difficult. know. I don't we'll, know about that. We'll they see. Up a lot of points within the season with him too. I just feel like the Lions made the right choice with what they were doing because they weren't utilizing him. I still understand why they weren't, but whatever. It worked out for him. All right. So I had, apparently I did seven topics, so I'll cut one out here. <laughs> Uh, the next one I had was Steve Wilkes. How does Steve Wilkes not get this job? Like, why are the Panthers going through interviewing like everybody? I mean, I, right. I forget when they 
when Wilkes took over or when Christian McCaffrey was traded, but I know it was right. somewhere, you know, fairly recent, but I just want to say they won six of their last nine games when the whole world, including myself, thought they were just tearing Hunting. it down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I do uh, agree with you that I'm wondering to an extent why they, they took the time that they did or they're taking the time that they did with this. I mean, because it really what it comes down to for me is people must still have a bad taste in his mouth or their mouths about him the one season he had in, in uh, Arizona when he was literally given no chance, in my opinion. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where he took a team that people had given up on with, I don't even remember how many, he played, what, three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks this year? Uh, and yeah. they played for him. The, it, the People discount, they think like, oh, you need this flashy guy who's got this crazy, uh, you know, set up with with something that's going to stand out when you look at scheming etc whatever the guy who's got the upside the potential i mean like i see people interviewing you know 40 year old uh position coaches for head coaching jobs because they've got that hypothetical you know curve that they could grow to but steve wilkes with what he did with a team that could have easily been checked out deserves a chance and it's it's annoying because you sit back and say, I mean, you do need to do your due diligence. you got to vet guys across the board. No one should just be given a job, but he should be given sure. this job because of what he earned. He earned this job because of how he did coaching on the job. Now, some people can sit back and say, oh, he's not this flashy offensive coach. And they won games with him. Isn't that the goal? Winning games? Yeah. I mean, that's you, what did I say earlier? Remember, you play to win the game. Right. And they're interviewing guys like Jim Caldwell, who, bless his heart, is a wonderful man. Uh, but they're, I got to think that there's. But they're interviewing Ben Johnson. They, apparently, they pulled out of the Harbaugh thing. But right. But they, they're apparently point. trying to steal the Lions OC. Well, that's my point. They're, they're going after a flashy name right now because they did that with Matt Rule. Rule was a flashy mm -hmm. name coming out of college because he'd Just let Wilkes go. Programs. Yeah. But again, Wilkes, if anything, if anything, Wilkes doesn't work out and then it buys your GM or whoever time because you know like hey we're letting this guy audition for a full season to see what he's got and if it doesn't work then you can continue your offensive rebuild if you will and move on to the guy you think's the guy right and again with the way that we've seen uh coaches get fired after getting extensions Cliff Kingsbury uh it, hey Oof. extend you know, give him a contract give him a chance and go from there and I agree with you I think Steve Wilkes should be the guy there but we aren't the ones in position to make that call. Last two topics. I'll go through. I'm, I'm going to skip one. I'm going to skip one. Okay. Because I, it, it, it basically, the second one, it includes this one. So I'll All just right. say the last topic I got. Before the season started, who are your Super Bowl picks? Because we always do this before, even before the preseason. Like, I think we, we both actually kind of agreed on this. I thought we pretty much said it was going to be Buffalo and Tampa. No, it's close. Okay. I picked the Chargers in Tampa. Last sure. year, I picked Buffalo and Tampa, and I didn't want to do the same thing, so I picked the Chargers okay, sure. in Tampa. Yeah. So here's my question now. Before the playoffs start, who are your Super Bowl picks? Not Tampa. <laughs> I realize that Here's they the have... thing. It's hard to rule them out in a way. Is... You know the whole entire but... NFC took a deep breath or a sigh, if you will, when yeah. Tom Britton... The records don't matter anymore. Anything that happened before... <laughs> Today does not matter, and you got Tom Brady in there, and I know that everybody's worried about that. I would, I, you can't rule sure. them out, especially in the NFC. No, you can't rule them out. I agreed. If Brady was in the AFC with some of those teams, I, nah, they're not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
No, I, I do actually expect them to beat Dallas, partially because I like to dump on Dallas, partially because Dallas always seems to stumble in the postseason, and also because Dak Prescott leads the league in interceptions and has played five fewer games than anybody else. So I expect yeah. Dallas to make some mistakes and Tampa to take advantage of playing at home. The reason why, and again, the, the NFC is really wide open right now when, it look, when you look at teams, uh, but I think the big reason why I don't see them winning is they've got to win the next couple of games on the road, and I just feel like they're going to they're gonna run into a team and they're going to stumble somewhere along the way. Uh, if so I had from to the NFC, who you got? I'm, I'm still running with Philly, man. And I realize right. that every team in the who NFC is Who do you think I'm going with? You're going with San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> which was part of my other question. I said how sure. my other question was with Brock Purdy and Jimmy G maybe coming back at some point in the playoffs. Like how deep of a playoff run does San Francisco make? And well, sure. I'm answering it. Right. So I, I'm calling Super Bowl for San Fran. Mm-hmm. What about AFC? Who are you going? This is the one where it could go anyway. Right. Exactly. And again, because of the way things, you know, broke with, uh, with all of the, uh, the stuff that happened with DeMar Hamlin and all that. And again, great news to see him doing as well as he is with the recovery. Uh, exactly what I expected, uh, and and I'm very happy that I that I was right on that. Uh, is the the it could be anywhere. We could have a game in Pittsburgh if it's you know Cincinnati and Buffalo or something like that, right? But I'm gonna keep with the Bills. I realize that Kansas City is playing incredibly well. I realize that the road goes through Arrowhead again as Patrick Mahomes has yet to have any adversity when it comes to his playoff games. This dude's almost played most of his playoff games at home, uh, but I'm still going Buffalo. I, I'm really torn between Buffalo and Cincinnati. I feel like my heart is telling me Buffalo. I feel like for some reason I'm just wanting to pick Cincinnati to have the rematch <laughs> of a Super Bowl that occurred like, I don't know, 40 years ago. Sure, right. But, um, yeah, I think I got to go with Buffalo. So I guess we both have Buffalo, and I guess it'll come down to San Fran and Philly, huh? Yeah, and again, that could easily be. I really wanted to pick Cincinnati. <laughs> well, and again, Cincinnati's but, come on strong over the course of the last half of the season, and so it, it, neither of those picks are uh, are too surprising. The, the The biggest surprise for me would be if uh, if I mean, no, I'm not going to say the biggest surprise would be Tampa, but if a team like the Giants somehow gets hot and continues to find ways to win games, uh, that would definitely surprise me. And then in the AFC, I think my biggest surprise as we're going along those lines, I would say even Baltimore over Miami, like Baltimore because of how much of a mess that season's been for them. Chargers are getting healthy at the right time too. Right. They wouldn't, that's why they wouldn't be as much of a surprise for me. No, I'm just saying like, there is a world where my original Super Bowl picks of the Chargers and Bucks could happen. (laughs) Hey, at least you've got both the teams still in the playoffs too. So that, that I do. That says something. Yeah. We'll see how this first weekend goes. All right. What's your last topic? That's it. I'm done. It's on you. Okay. Well, we're going to run through these relatively quickly because uh, I, I know that some of these are a bit more generic and are ones we're going to talk about ad nauseum throughout the course of the offseason. But the first one I've got is where do you think some of these spots in the QB carousel stop? If you had to guess right now, where's Tom Brady? Where's Jimmy Garoppolo? Where's David Carr? Where's or Derek Carr? Where's uh, where's Lamar? Where are those guys playing next year? Uh, I'll say Tom Brady in Vegas. Um, I'll say Garoppolo. For the New York Jets. Okay. I'll say Lamar for the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, okay. Uh, nah, I'm just kidding. I, th- I don't think <laughs> he could go there, but I think Baltimore Lamar stays in Baltimore. Him. Yeah, they're going to franchise tag him if they can't find a deal. Yeah, so he stays there. I just wanted to have a spicy take, but then I realized it was too spicy. But <laughs> yeah, I'll keep Lamar there. I do think that Garoppolo to the Jets could be good. No, that makes sense. But ironically, I... I also think the Jets could be fighting for Derek Carr too. 
So I definitely think one of those two end up there, but I'm Mm going to go with Jimmy G just because, you know, the whole head coach familiarity. So, uh, so Derek Carr, where does Derek Carr go? Um, Is Derek Carr a guy that just signs for really cheap and goes to, to play QB potentially in Tampa? Cause they got a, they're like 60 million over the cap. Um, I don't know. Like part of me thinks like Derek Carr, like, Man, would he just like sit out a year to like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt know. he's going to sit out a year. Uh, I could definitely see him going to, um, I, I was going to say Indianapolis until they ended up losing another game. And now obviously Indy yeah. fourth, they've got a better chance at a quarterback I, there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that uh, Tampa Bay makes sense. The the only, like I said, the only What if he goes was, to LA? What if Stafford don't come back? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There. And that's another possibility. I mean, LA's got a lot of options with with Baker that they could keep if they felt really they good did. about him, which it doesn't seem like anyone actually does. Uh, the car yeah. family is from Cali in a way, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Hey, they both uh, played at Fresno. So there's definitely some time. They also have Baker there, there already, but Baker's probably a one year deal, but they'd probably re sign Baker over. Car, but I don't know who's coaching there either. So that's tough. Right. Exactly. That's a whole nother thing. And we're not going to talk about coaching carousels today, but that's going to be a lot of the fun. And the reason why we're talking about this on a show like this is because what these teams do in free agency, which comes up before the draft, will definitely give us some ideas of what they're going to do in the draft because the teams that might want a quarterback in the first round of the draft, if they get another guy that they feel good about for the next three, four, five seasons as an, a free agent, they're not going to necessarily go quarterback. But segueing in my next topic then, do draft picks actually finally matter? Because the Saints, the Rams, and the Broncos gave up a bunch of them, and all three of them are in pretty rough shape right now. You already know my answer to that. I I, I personally, like, draft picks have more value to me than even, in quotations, proven players that you get through free agency because I can't count how many times a player's played really well for Team A then hits the market and goes to Team B, and it just doesn't work out. Exactly. And part of it, it all ties into my weird conspiracy theory philosophy that if you're good enough to go to the NFL, then to an extent, everybody's a good player. Sure. But the system and the fit sometimes is more important than even the talent. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Culture. Because if you don't know how to utilize a player, then it's not going to work. And I feel like when teams draft players, they don't know how to use, they can quickly ruin them mm-hmm. when that player could have had a completely different career. So, to me, I would rather have the draft picks because then I i don't know. I guess I would like to think you're doing your research on those players and you're right. drafting the people that fit what you're trying to do. And you could go get a free agent that you think fits what you're trying to do, but you <laughs> haven't really done the research on right. it. You know what I mean? You and Plus, they're, you know, they're already several years into their career. They're kind of set in their ways. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does, and I—I I mean, a draft pick maybe maybe more moldable and be open right. to doing what you need them to do, or as the free agent is what I don't know. I put more value on the picks. Sure, and again, we talked about that obviously this year a little bit here and there because the Rams won a title by giving away all the draft picks and you know cobbling together a team and making it work. So good for them to get there, but obviously, and in that situation, if you get a ring, then the picks don't mean as much. But right. how many teams have tried that philosophy and not gotten a ring? Exactly. So well, again, that's where in the Ram situation, yes, the traffic didn't mean as much. Right. But that's where I mentioned the Broncos and the Saints, two teams that now the Saints, not so much the draft picks, just with the head with their their salary cap, stuff like that. But also it's like these are teams that don't have a, a ton of uh, picks going forward, especially the Broncos, and are clearly and, not where they thought they'd be. 
So if we look at that from the Broncos' perspective. They went with the proven vet that didn't work out, and now mm-hmm. the Seahawks have a top three pick. Exactly. And that's the thing, too. I mean, I personally think that, uh, and this is my my you know own angle of things, is Brad Holmes is the reason why the Rams were in good shape anyways. So yep. uh, quite happy to have him in Detroit. Next question for you. Who needs to blow it up? What teams uh, should just say? Can I only can I only pick one? No, no, you can you can pick a couple. I got a few in mind. The immediate one that comes to mind, just in several for this reason, in a way, I, I feel like I really have to say that the top team that has to blow it up, regardless of what happens, hell, they could even win a Super Bowl, <laughs> and they may have to blow it up. Tampa Bay is no joke, forty seven point mm-hmm. six million over the cap, and I don't think. Brady's commanding a high number, so they're going to have to clear some money. But I don't think that's going to be my answer because I don't, you can't really, I wouldn't blow it up per se. Right. But they're going to have to make some strong, strong decisions. Um, As far as blowing it up, let me think. Do you got an immediate one? Like, I mean, I thought the Raiders, when they got rid of Derek Carr, were a blow it up candidate. I also thought that Denver was a candidate until we realized how tied to Russell Wilson <laughs> they are. So they don't really have an option. Yeah. And I think in that, there, but Green yeah, the Bay teams, could be my top one. Well, again, Green Bay, uh, depending on how they go about their offseason and how long Aaron Rodgers holds them hostage, because that's just a thing for Green Bay quarterbacks to do. My teams are more, or maybe the more Rams too. suspects. Uh, the Rams are definitely a candidate. I'd say Rams and Green Bay would be the top two for me. Sure. For me, I look at Arizona. I think that they're already blowing it up. So I guess maybe that's a little bit low-hanging fruit considering they've already fired their head coach and the GM's walking away. And outside of Kyler Murray, that's where it's... Who allegedly has a say on the next head coach. Yeah, which again, hey, look, if you if you value your, your, you know, your guy, you're going to give him at least some piece of it. But now you run into the situation of what if he really likes a guy that you're not comfortable with as a head coach. Now you've got a rift with your player that you're paying $200 million to. And so, yeah, it, it is a weird time to be paying attention to this sport in a fun way. Uh, but I think another team that could definitely blow it up and is kind of already halfway there is Atlanta. I think they they probably saw Yeah, it. I feel like they already kind of blew it up. Right. They're, They're sort of in the midst of it. Yeah. yeah. But I also would not be surprised to see uh, to see Indianapolis do it. If they, they're already grabbing a, probably a quarterback with the fourth pick, they do have a few pieces. I think they think they can contend, uh, but I also think that if I was in that, but if they blow it up and still head. grab a QB, that goes. That's the worst. Well, no, no, that's the thing in my mind. That, if if you were going to blow it up, you trade that pick and you don't worry about the mm-hmm. QB. But I believe they don't think they're going to blow it up, and so they're right. still quarterback. So that's the thing. No. I I think to answer your question though, like obviously it's several candidates, but I think my final two answers for a tie would be the Packers and the Rams. Right. And the Rams, because they have no picks and they're not winning. We don't know what's going on with Stafford. They mm-hmm. have some players they could trade and get some a lot of value for a cup, a, a Wagner. Donald's probably retiring anyway. Right. So, I mean, that uh, Jalen Ramsey, they could move those guys to contenders and get some picks and start building this thing from the inside out. And the Packers, I just feel like there's something really weird going on behind the scenes. <laughs> I mean, Rodgers was yeah. s- not so semi-cryptic about implying that he's done. Right. Alan Lazard was interviewed after the game and they asked him about his future and he pretty much laughed. He's all like, what do you think I'm resigning here? He's like, I'm out of here. Ah, like, I appreciate I like, that. I was like, okay. So if there's <laughs> something weird going on with mm-hmm. that team and the, the Rams just, they could get their picks back with some of the talent right. they have. So 
so yeah, there's there's a lot of different possibilities there. That's one of the reasons why I want to ask you. That's a lot of stuff we'll talk about over the course of the offseason. Last couple of questions I got for you. We might not get to all of them, but uh, what rookie position group stood out to you? If you had to pick, like who had the best crop of of players over the course of the season? So we're talking in the NFL. In the NFL. Rookies that stood out the most to me. And again, not just rookie players, but like the entire group of players. So just one position or are you talking like naming group, yep. names? One position group and you can name a couple names in there if you want to. But Man, uh, it's strange. Um, I don't know. This is my immediate thought that hit me. Well, mm-hmm. the first thing that hit me is I wanted to say edge rusher, not because it stood out, not because it stood out because it was the best or the deepest. No, but it was because of all the debate at the top of the draft all season long, I wanted to see if Detroit had got the best guy out of those three. Cause all off season, I was looking at Trevon Walker, mm-hmm. Avon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. So I feel like just those three, I was paying a lot of attention to, sure. but then I calmed down for a second. And <laughs> for similar reasons, part of it was kind of the bets and the arguments I had with Brad and this and that, but mm-hmm. the wide receivers stood out to me because I was definitely paying a lot of attention to, you know, Christian Watson and Alec Pierce and Traylon mm-hmm. Burks and uh, Sky right. Moore. I was paying a lot of attention to those guys. Not all those guys played well, but that's why I'm having a tough time figuring out how I want to answer the question because stood out in a good way or stood yeah. out in a bad way. If, well, and again, we're hoping I mean? for stood out in a good way. Fair enough. Like stood out as a blend good. of both. Okay, right. So that was kind of that was kind of my immediate thoughts. Would be those two wide receiver and and edge rusher. Right. And those are mine as well. Wide receivers ahead of it for me, just because I, lo- I went back through and looked at, and again, pro football focus numbers and the position group that has statistically the best numbers from their end of things were wide receivers. They didn't have the okay. thing was, is the wide receiver class wasn't necessarily Drake London, too. Yeah, yeah, Drake London in there. It was very, very good. Garrett Wilson, uh, Alave and those guys, but they yeah. didn't have any stinkers is what it was. They didn't really have any rookies. Sky Moore. No, even Sky Moore had an OK grade overall yeah, and that's, i realize yeah. that's tough for you to, to take but even sky Moore had and who won uh, who won the wide receivers you definitely won the wide receivers Chris sky Moore had a 70 overall they might not win at the end of the day because like i just said they might blow that team up it's, right watson just might be stuck with the very pedestrian <laughs> offense and it might all go downhill but watson did outplay alec pierce pierce had an okay season watson had a very good season uh, coming down the stretch but no, i, I will tell you this it. much Oh, Last sorry. note on that topic, who had the best pass rushing grade for rookies across the board? Oh, well, how many snaps? Because they probably at got least some 20% weird... of the snaps. I'm not going to give like guy who had five snaps. Uh, yeah, if you played at least crazy. 20%, who had the best pass rushing grade on pro football focus? If you had to guess, it, sh- it should be Hutch, but they probably Hutch gave it sixth. to like, t- they probably gave it to like, uh, I don't know, Thibodeau is probably pretty high. Towards Thibodeau was the end. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Could it be some sort of pass rushing? Oh, it's probably Houston. No, it was not Houston. Uh, Houston actually, I don't know. Well, actually, oh, you know, he Houston, only played like. Hang on, yeah, I was about to say. Let me, give, let me give Houston. Houston did have the highest score of anybody overall. He had an eighty-eight, but he also only played like one hundred and forty snaps. So I was looking at a minimum of at least twenty percent of the snaps, and he didn't play okay. that. <laughs> For oh, guys okay. who played at least twenty percent, high as grid. Who they got? Chad Muma. That was weird because I was going to say. Uh, Jacksonville, Muma, and Lloyd, but Lloyd probably rushed the passer more, so I was going to rule out Muma. He didn't well, rush the passer a lot, though. Uh, apparently, when he did rush the passer, he did well. So, you know, good Muma's my there. guy. I, I still stand by three years down the road. 
Sure. When we look back at this year, Chad Muma will be defensively one of the top five best defensive players in this entire draft. No, no, I'm not was, disagreeing with you. I said that. I was like, I would take Chad Muma in the late first round <laughs> when this draft was going on. 100%. Well, Chad Muma really got dinged on his coverage grade, but hey, he's got time I don't to figure care. that out. Right. But you know who had the young. highest pass rushing grade, though? Who that? Malcolm Rodriguez. Whew. There you go. He had three in the top 10 from Detroit. Yeah, not complaining about that. And again, that's that's if you incorporate. No, for Rodriguez, it's if you do at least twenty percent of the snaps. Houston sure. was the top overall because he only played ten percent of the snaps, right? Because they basically found out what he was good at and let him do it, and he only played half. The again, season. that ties into letting players do what they're good at. Yep. But don't ask them to do things they can't do. I'm going to hold off on one of my questions as well because I want to, you know, respect. Ooh, yeah, we got time, time for one more, right? Time. Yeah. What teams are one player away? That's Away from what? Draft. Playoff contention? From, from playoff slash Super Bowl contention. You know, I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of a difference there when you're talking playoff versus Super Bowl, but at least uh, one player away from really contending for, for something special. Well, to me, and it could be, I mean, Detroit is an easy answer because they almost did it anyways. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like for, for the longest time, I've really felt like Washington's just a QB away. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's why I just think that those would be my two immediate answers right there. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Washington's a QB away, and I think Detroit's one more stellar defensive player away. Sure. Like they need to improve the defense. You know, in theory, hopefully the interior D line, but they also need some TBs. But either way, if you fix one or the other, they're going to help the other one like cover mm-hmm. up for his weaknesses. So. I would say yeah. Detroit, one stud defensive player away. Washington, one QB away. Those are my top two answers. I agree with both of those. The uh, I'll, I'll pick two more just to make it interesting. And I think that, and, and again, don't get me wrong, it makes me a little sick to say this, but Cleveland could be one player away. I'm not sure which Should, player they might, is. But there could, yeah, it could be anything because Cleveland might not be a player away at all because Watson's back now, and that could be the player that they right. were away. And I refuse so, to I refuse to root for that man until we find out all the stuff that happened and to see if this is a whole bunch of gold sure. diggers. My guess I is he did some things that he shouldn't have done. But yeah, so that's the other one you're going to mention. Makes it hard. Baltimore. I feel like Baltimore could be one player away if everybody comes back healthy. If Lamar is able to be kept upright and they give him probably some kind of, especially what they gave to Roquan. But did, they already made the playoffs though, didn't they? Well, right, but I still think that that they they made the playoffs, but they didn't make you know, they didn't make it with anything resembling any certainty. Like they're a team; they're not in the New York Giants and uh, Minnesota Vikings camp of really outplayed what I think they should have done this year. But they're a team that shouldn't have made the playoffs, but did because a few things went no, their way. So I get I, that. I, I was just looking at the teams that missed the mark this year. Like sure. if I were going another one that missed the mark, like you could almost argue in New England, but as weird as it is, like right. New England could be one of those blow up candidates. Like New England's Actually, a team that I played New way England better wants, than what they should have. Right. New England won't blow it up because no. the check's old and probably wants to have one more crack at it. But and the, right. there that'd be a wide receiver. Ooh, the and if you're here at last last thing on this one, because this uh-huh. is fun. Sure. If you're going to include, so I still stand by Detroit and Washington for my top right. two. But if you're going to allow a team that made the playoffs to say they're one player away, Trevor Lawrence is one stud receiving <laughs> weapon away from yeah. that team doing some. Because sure. we talked about Muma and Lloyd and the pieces they have on defense, and right. Walker, Lawrence yeah. is figuring it out. Give that guy a weapon, a mm-hmm. pass catching weapon, and let's see what happens. 
Well, and that's the thing. I mean, he's got Christian Kirk, who's a great number two. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there in Jacksonville. And, and obviously, we're ecstatic to see how they're doing without Urban Meyer coaching them. <laughs> and then, uh, so that being said, last quick question I got for you, uh, because mm-hmm. it popped up as we were talking about this. Which team is the furthest away? You only to pick one of these. It's got to be Houston. I mean, yeah, that's the I mean, low-hanging fruit. But outside right. of Houston, let's say that. Outside that of the Houston, uh, no. No, because they got too too much talent on the team. I got to think know. that if they they got to find a coach to get that team rolling because they got too mm-hmm. much talent. Um, is it weird? Okay, so is it weird for me to say this? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm dogging on them hard, but especially if Rodgers hangs it up, Green Bay is way <laughs> far away. You take Rodgers yeah. off that team, like I I don't like Aaron Rodgers at all, but the guy's really good. It didn't look right. like it this year, but I'm just telling you, if you take him off that team with whatever other issues that team has, they're, they're going to be – they might be last in the NFC North <laughs> if Rodgers is gone. I'm serious. The Bears the Bears might finish above them next year. Yeah, well, and again, we have a lot of a lot of time to figure that out, a lot of fun to, to parse through all that. I, Houston is obviously the easiest team to say there. I think Arizona is pretty close with what they're struggling through right now with an identity crisis on that team. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it it's fun to talk about Green Bay and poor lights. And again, for those of you who are older fans, you probably remember when Green Bay was terrible between like the seventies the and eighties, basically. But I don't people like us, yeah, that are that are pushing good the late thirties, forty range. We haven't seen Green Bay in our collective consciousness be bad because Brett Favre came in and since the mid early mid nineties, they've been having thirty some odd years of good quarterback play. So Looking forward to the end of the Green Bay run of uh, of respectability. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add in today, JP? You know, other than I'm extremely excited to start doing a true, like, in-depth, deep dive on some of these prospects and start doing our rankings, if you will. Like, I'm, I can't wait for those episodes. And that's coming up next show we're going to try to do tomorrow get that out there for you we're going to start talking about some of those players and early takes on where we think guys could end up in the big 10 and the mac we're giving some love to the smaller schools because guys come out of there all the time and make an impact we'll catch you next time with draft draft